Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into the Big Honker Podcast. Uh, go to iTunes, leave us some reviews, and be sure we've got a giveaway going on right now. It's running until November 9th. We have teamed up with the boys and girls over at Boss Shot Shells, uh, two-man goose hunt and duck hunt here. Yes, sir. At the Big Honker Lodge for the dates of December 9th, 10th, and 11th. Three mornings of goose hunting, two afternoon duck hunts. They're going to win two cases of Boss and some Boss swag. So we are drawing on. Uh, we are drawing for it on November 9th. Be sure and get entered into that. This podcast is brought to you by the best silhouette on the market, Dive Bomb Industries. Skinnies are the way to go. They make your life so simple. Incredible results. Incredible people over at Dive Bomb Industries. Um, they're what we use exclusively. I did not touch a full body all last season, and I'm not planning on doing it this year either. Dive Bomb Industries, the way to go. So easy. Can't say enough about Dive Bomb Industries divebombindustries.com order what you're going to need for this season they got it all geese ducks pigeons one-stop shop divebomb industries we're also brought to you by boss shot shells bismuth hits like a freight train uh there were i had duck hunts this last weekend some guys were shooting boss some guys were not and let me tell you there is a big difference and you can definitely tell when boss hits that bird because it folds like a cheap suit BossShotShells.com, all made in America, shipped right to your door, no big box stores. Killing them like we did in the 70s. That's what it reminds me of. It's insane. When that bismuth hits a bird, especially a bird that's close, it's ugly. BossShotShells.com, or you can call them. Good people. And this show is also brought to you by Athlon Optics, also a U.S. made. Athlon Optics is a proud U.S. sports optic product company devoted to designing and delivering superior quality optic products and outdoor accessories at a competitive price to you, the consumer. Athlon has strong engineering design capability, strategic alliances with quality manufacturers, and a streamlined, fully integrated supply chain. Whether you're shooting prairie dogs or scouting those geese or ducks the night before, Athlon Optics has a product that you need. So go to athlonoptics.com, get your binoculars, get your scopes. They've also got red dot sights. They got it all. If you need to look through it so you can shoot something or find something, Athlon Optics is the way to go. We're also brought to you by Lucky Duck. Makers of the new A-frame blind. That's right. The 2 by 4 blind. We got it set up. It's on our front porch right now. It's beautiful. It's big. It's like something Trump would make. (laughs) It's beautiful. It's huge. Four people, four grown men, and when I say grown, I mean husky, can fit in this blind. Uh, other A-frame makers say that four guys can fit, and they probably can, but... Uh, There's some noodle-eating little bastards. Yeah, they're, they're, they're small guys. Uh, four grown men can fit into this blind. It's a great blind. It's a two-by-four blind. They also make uh, the, the best spinner that's on the market right now. Waterproof. Uh, if you're going to field duck hunt and you need spinners, Lucky Duck has them. Go to LuckyDuck.com, get your spinners, get your blinds, whatever you need. They got it. We're also brought to you by Light LEDs. No more bumping around in the dark, unless you're with your significant other. Uh, put these lights on your trailer, on your truck, wherever you want. It makes setting up a decoy spread just a, a, a breeze. 
No more, huh? I wonder if we've got, uh, wonder how we're looking, wonder if we need more decoys over there. Turn on these bad boys, lights up the whole sky. They're great. Put them on your truck, put them on your trailer. SeaLightLEDs.com. They make waterfowl hunting easy almost. They really do. SeaLightLEDs.com. We're also brought to you by William and Chris Wines. Texas made wine right in high Texas. Chris and the guys over there living the dream, making wine, making stuff that tastes great. Thanksgiving's coming up soon. Big drinking holiday. All the holidays are from now on. Don't drink too much around your family, though. That's that's a lot of violence on Thanksgiving Day. I don't think most wine companies and stuff like to use the word violence in it. So drink responsibly <laughs> around the holidays. Even around Cousin Joe that, you know, still lives in his mom mom's basement. <clears throat> Give him a nice glass of Merlot. Tell him to get the fuck out and get on with his life. <laughs> William and Chris Wines, you can go to all the high upstanding supermarkets. Whole Foods, Central Markets, William and Chris Wines. And tell them the Big Honker podcast, ain't you? Yeah, or call them up and they'll deliver it to you. Finally, we're brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. We've been doing this for too long. Well, 25 years. Too long. 25 plus. Oh. Are you still as hungry as you were day one? I eat. Look at me. Yes, I am. So I, no. think so. I think so. Yes. It's a we, great life. We can take care of you on anything that you're wanting. Duck season uh, opened up last weekend. Goose season opens up next weekend. If you're still needing to uh, book that uh, fall adventure, look no further. Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Got some dates left in Oklahoma and Texas. You want to shoot some field mallards in Oklahoma, holler at me, 940-658-3172, or send us an email at goose at west, W-E-S-T-E-X dot net. Or call us at 940-658-3172. I appreciate all the calls and messages. We get them all the time. Keep keep them coming. If you have any questions, feel free to give me a holler. That's basically it. We made it through all the commercials. All right. On this episode of the podcast, we're joined by the Oklahoma State wildlife biologist, Dallas Barber. He's a, he's a big game biologist. Interesting podcast because I know absolutely nothing about deer hunting, nothing about big game hunting. Uh, I had an absolute blast because this was out of my wheelhouse, so I got to learn a thing or two. Uh, we appreciate him coming on, and uh, we hope that you enjoy it. Here he is, Dallas Barber. Here we go. Three, two, one. Boom, and welcome to the Big Honker Podcast, brought to you by Lucky Duck Spinners. I'm Jeff Stanfield. I'm Andy Shaver. On the phone with us today is Mr. Dallas Barber, and he is a Oklahoma wildlife biologist, big game biologist from Crescent, Oklahoma. How are you doing, Dallas? Good, guys. How are y'all this evening? Good. We're excited to have you. Got well, some brains well, here. For, uh, for, thanks for having me on. But Before we jump into this wildlife biologist stuff, I, I got to ask you, how about them Kansas State Wildcats? Mm, hey man, uh, I'm all for the cats this week. I'm a I'm a big uh, cowboy fan through and through. So 
my second favorite team uh, each week is whoever's playing the Sooners. You know, most of my farmers I deal with are all Oklahoma State guys. Good people. Yeah, it's a lot a lot more of a of an act based school, so the farmers and ranchers tend to be leaning a little more orange than they do crimson. Well, my, my one of my best friends growing up is big time big high powered attorney and he's 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 a Texas guy, but he didn't go to U T but he married a girl from whose family is from OU and God dang he gets all personal when Oklahoma loses. I mean, it just runs his whole life. <laughs> yeah, it runs deep here in the Sooner State. Well, he's in Texas. That's, I mean, he's lost. Yeah, he's flown off the map a little. Uh, okay, we're going to jump into this, the deer and everything. So you're the game biologist, and you do antelope and you do deer for the state of Oklahoma, correct? So yeah, I'm the I'm the big game biologist for the ODWC, which means that I pretty much run all the programs revolved around our deer, elk, and uh, and pronghorn programs. So where can you find elk and pronghorn in Oklahoma? Yeah, um, I mean, it's kind of something not a whole lot of people know about, but just like the panhandle of Texas where you guys are at up in our panhandle, we've got, uh, you know, quite a few antelope that run around up there. Um, kind of that Texas and Cimarron County, basically west of Guyman. And then uh, elk are found statewide, believe it or not. Yeah, we've got them right by where we live in Hobart. There's 15 miles away, there's elk. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you guys are, are right there kind of in the heart of our, our southwest, our special southwest zone, which includes a lot of that, you know, Wichita Mountain National Wildlife Refuge area. And uh, that's where a, a good majority of our, our elk population is, and they kind of spread out from there. But you guys are kind of in the heart of it right through there. So how many elk do they think might be roaming uh, the lands of Oklahoma? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I get asked quite a bit. Um Back in probably 2014 or so, we did uh, a combination of some landowner surveys as well as some aerial surveys that pointed to anywhere between five and 6,000 animals um, across the state. But I would estimate that that's probably grown here over the last, you know, five or six years since they've done that survey. Are, are all the elk in special permitted areas to hunt, or can you buy an over-the-counter tag? Yeah, so... Um, as far as like public land that has elk, um, there's really only a couple opportunities, and that's all going to be through through you know a draw. Um, but any private landowner that would let you hunt them, I mean, all you got to do is just buy your license to harvest that animal. Uh, but a lot of those private landowners hold those guys pretty close to their chest. You know, they they don't just let anybody and everybody hop on and, and harvest one. Now, are these? Do they ever cross the Red River into Texas? Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily the Red South, but they'll bounce back and forth across the, the border there, you know, y'all's east border and our west border. So, they don't, so they're not as far south, basically? Yeah, we, I mean, not, not to my knowledge. I mean, there might be one or two that bump across the red here and there, but it's not, not any that, uh, you know, where there's a, just a whole bunch of them going across the river there. So are they bleeding as far west as like uh, Mangum and back towards the Texas Panel? It's not uncommon west of Mangum to see them? Yeah, for probably a little farther north than that, um, kind of up around uh, Beckham County, which would be Sayre, kind of that area. Um, there's a little pocket of them, but then, I mean, they run as far west as out into the tip of our panhandle where, you know, we're, we're sharing ground with New Mexico and Colorado up there. Now I can see them up there now, but I didn't realize that they were, so when you get to Elk City going west, uh, west out of Elk City on the I-40, yeah. you, there's a good chance you're going to find that's some elk, there's some elk running through there. 
yeah, you might see a handful of them running around. I mean, it's not anything like the Wichita, you know, the refuge, but there, there's a handful of them sprinkled around through that area. Now, how big do they get compared to, like, some of the elk that you see in Colorado in, in that area? Is the size um, different? Is there a size difference at all? There might be a little bit of a size difference, but not too terribly much. I mean, you know, especially some of those animals that are up there around the Guyman are, are very heavily act-based animals. So, I mean, they're eating pretty well. So, like, when we were in Canada, we saw plains elk. I mean, we're, elk are a big plains animal anyways, but we would yeah. see herds of elk in, in Canada. We were in the northern part of Saskatchewan, and there was a lot of elk there. So yeah, and they were big because they're just farm animals. So that's what you're seeing around Guyman, where in Wichita, in the Wichita Mountains, those elk are more like Rocky Mountain. I mean, they're they're both all Rocky yeah, Mountain elk. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming. for for those of you guys that have have not been blessed enough to go to the Wichita Mountains Refuge and and uh, you know outside a lot, and I mean, it's just a big old rock farm, yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's just rocks as big as Volkswagens as far as you can see, and it, it's kind of surprising that critters can live there at all but it uh it turns out there's some really really good elk hunting and and some really fine deer hunting over there as well that's a depressing place for me whenever we drive and and coming into holbert too like it's just it's so it's so much fucking rock it looks it looks pretty desolate man you i don't know how you wouldn't want to tear off through there with a pickup i don't know how anybody lived there i mean i really don't <laughs> what do you mean yeah it, it's, it's, a, weird, it's a weird it's a little rocks. little part of the state it's funny to me when I sell hunts there for the first time, especially somebody from southern Louisiana. Them coon asses, oh, yeah. when you tell them you're going to go up by the mountains, mountains, what are you talking about, mountains? Yeah. Then they get there and they're like, God damn, we're in the mountains as well. You know, <laughs> it's not the Rocky Mountains, but it's a range of mountains. No, I mean, there there are mountains, you know, what Oklahoma would call a mountain. Yes. Yeah. And, a, and a Texan. Have you been to the, to yes. the Quartz Mountain Resort? I'm not familiar with it, no, sir. Well, that's where we keep all of our. Uh, that's where we keep all of our hunters. And if you've ever seen the movie uh, Devil's Rejects by Rob Zombie, like that's the feel that I get every time that I drive into this place. There's this old, old amusement park that only runs in the summer months when, because uh, this Quartz Mountain, it's ran by the state of Oklahoma, so. Uh, they do. Yeah. They do a lot of uh, kid, artsy fartsy stuff. Yes, and I think that this. So I'm sure. I'm sure your hunters think that you know they're here in banjos kind oh, of situation. It's, it's terrible. If you ever get a chance to go, just no, hold on. Drive I, in. Go, it's so fucking creepy. The, the resort's nice. Go check her out. What yeah. he says. It, you go through an old. It, it's like going through a '50s or '60s old. It, you could tell in the '50s when everybody took family trips and the old station wagon and shit. It was a happening place. My, my miniature golf. My father-in-law grew up in Vernon, not far from there, 30, 40, 40 yeah. minutes, and that he remembers taking family uh, vacations there. Yeah, it was a pl- it was a happening place. But oh. yeah, it, it's 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 got a creepy vibe whenever you drive up to this place. I don't like it. <laughs> well, we might need to think about a new place for our for our hunters, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah no, it's exactly. it, they they trade. It's a nice place where it's at. The people are thinking, "What the fuck are they sending us to?" It's a nice resort. It's just you got to yeah. drive through an area that they got some old fifties antique type shit there. Okay, yeah, just, just don't don't mind this part. Just put your blinders on for that. Yeah, exactly. Just get to the resort and then <laughs> and then come back to us. Let's talk my my favorite subject when it talks Oklahoma because to me it's it's we don't have them. Y'all have a big bear population in the east, southeastern part of the state, correct? Yeah, um, you know, a little known fact to most folks. Um, you know, we've had a bear season here since uh, I think two thousand nine was the first year that we had it opened up, and that was a uh, kind of a, a very strict quota based harvest. Uh, 
but now i mean it's it's wide open with archery equipment and uh we do you know offer a, a muzzle loader season as well but it's kind of capped there at 20 animals for it but we just expanded our bear zone here for this uh this fall and you know we we kill quite a few bears and between uh that that zone opening i'd imagine we'll kill some more here but you know it's 70 plus bears a year we kill now the first year y'all did this a guy told me that someone shot a bear that weighed over 600 pounds is that false or true i had not heard any of that so you know with my program luckily my plate's pretty full i don't handle a whole lot of the bear stuff but um you know a, a mature male boar here in the state will be you know pushing that 500 pound mark so here in one in 600 pound range if he's been eating on you know donuts and dumpster trash <laughs> i wouldn't it's not going to be too terribly surprising it, it's funny in texas because i've got a lot of my buddies that hunt in oklahoma they have their leases there and they'll take yeah. their game cam pics will show all these bears on them. And people are like, oh, bullshit, that's not in Oklahoma. I said, I'm telling you, yep. there's a bunch of bears there. And Yeah. I can't I mean, imagine. It, it's, a, it's a lot more than, than people really think. Um, you know, Oklahoma State University has been doing quite a uh, extensive collaring and GPS study here for the last, I don't even want to guess, but it's been, you know, 10, 10 years at least on that project. So they keep a pretty close eye on them. And I mean, it just is, is continually growing as, as habitat, you know, gets better and, and people really kind of start to manage for them. It's only going to get better. How far east or how far west are they going now? So we've had some kind of reports that are starting to get over kind of into the Ada area which is pretty far west of kind of that core um, around the, you know, like LaFleur, McCurtain County, way, way down there in the southeast part of the state. Um, but they're slowly starting to, to triple west, and I'm, I'm thinking that once they start getting into that kind of ag country, it'll start, start to fizzle out, just not, not the right habitat for them. So we're not going to see none around Hobart anytime soon, you don't think? No. <laughs> You know what? Uh, in this profession, um, I've learned to never say never, but I'll be real, real surprised if I, if, you, if you guys end up calling me saying, Dallas, there's a bear outside of camp. <laughs> Where did they come from? Uh, Arkansas. I mean, they, they, if you if you got dropped off and if you have not been to the southeast part of Oklahoma, if you got blindfolded and dropped off over that way, you'd, you'd think that you were in the middle of of arkansas or even you know kind of the the north carolina mountains it's a, a unique part of the state pine dominated just a not what people think of when they hear the word oklahoma when you when you get to what town is the choctaw casino is that durant right through there yeah well yeah once, once yeah, you get coming up highway 69 yeah once you get there all the way to the mm -hmm. uh ocean to the east coast is basically the same geography it seems to me yeah pretty dang much you might as well call it that so they've just they, their population was just good enough and they just kept expanding uh yeah expanding I mean, up just in Oklahoma. taking over territory that's suitable for them without a whole lot of competition there's some acorn eating sons of guns so if they can find them some acorns they're gonna be a happy camper i mean i'm assuming there's no predator they don't have any predator so really as long as the habitat yeah. can support them they can just go wherever Exactly, exactly. And I mean, unfortunately, that comes with a little bit of uh, of urban interface there. You know, uh, they've had a couple nuisance bear issues in some of the towns that are over there on the east side of the state and uh, actually had one in Tulsa. I mean, so we're we're starting to, to deal with some of the negative 
you know, connotations and negative effects that come with, with bears. Where'd y'all go a couple years ago, Andy, on vacation? I can't remember. I was trying to think. But I um, the closest Walmart was actually in Arkansas, so and it was only about 20 minutes away. But we... Uh, my wife, uh, my wife's old boss has some uh, cabins in eastern Oklahoma, <clears throat> and we went yeah. up there. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's like you exactly like you said, just trees everywhere. And I, I believe, I'm assuming that they got bears there. Oh, they do. Yeah, it's not built for people like me. I like to have a pair of binoculars wherever I go. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like you. Don't get me wrong. It, no, it's I'm a like postcard you. kind of place, but yeah. it's not. I, I don't think I could live there, man. It just closes in on you. It does. And, like, even when we went to uh, to South Carolina to see pain, like, you can't – I don't see how more deer aren't hit on those interstates and everything because everything is just right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it just sucks right up in on you. The forest kind of grows into the highways and vice versa. You know that first son of a bitch that saw that bear – was like, I just saw a damn bear. And he went and told his buddies at the coffee shop, and there is no way that they believe They're never going to believe what I saw. No, never. It's not like that with mountain lions around here now. Now, are you starting to see more in them? Um, I mean, we've, we've had confirmed reports of them, and, and we've got a, a dedicated fur bear biologist that, that handles all of that stuff. And I think that we're up to, you know, 30 confirmed documented cases. But if you talk to anybody in the state, they're behind every damn blade of grass. <laughs> kind of like it is here. We, we live in the middle of nowhere. And I, oh, yeah. And I travel many, many miles. Or all our miles are on the back roads sometime, you know, most of the time. Mm-hmm. And I have seen a mountain lion two times. I've seen one. Yep. At Burke Burnett, Texas, jump across the road in front of me. Can't confirm it. I, well, I saw the son bitch. I know what it was. Mm. And I seen one up here, <laughs> up here one time on a dirt road walking, and I stopped, come back, and was gone. But that's what I was going to say. You don't ever get a chance to take a picture, or you look, at, you just get a flash of them always. So how do you confirm yeah. a sighting in Oklahoma? Like, what, what you well, I mean, if, if, you, if you, first of all, if they, you know, have uh, – there are occasions where they have a live animal, um, like in a depredation issue. Cimarron County a little while back had, you know, a, a big cat that was dragging sheep out of a pen. Uh-huh. So they sat up over it and confirmed that via that way. But a lot of it's trail cam pictures. Right. And, uh, you know, you can back search pictures to see if somebody's just pulled up a, a random picture of a big cat off the Internet and is showing it to you saying, oh, yeah, this is on my farm <laughs> over here. Uh that way, but uh, a lot of the times it'll be an on-site inspection where you're kind of looking at that picture and saying, okay, is there an identifying object in the picture, be it a feeder leg or a tree or, you know, a, a unique kind of shrub or something in that picture that can say, all right, well, this was definitely taken here kind of kind of deal. So Jeff Stanfield on a dirt road in the middle of the night, that's not a confirmed sighting. Both, not enough Unfortunately evidence. not. No, yeah. Both of mine were during, during the day. walking on a nice soft mm-hmm. dirt road for us to get some, some paw prints off of. We might be able to work with that. But, uh, yeah, just saying – I've seen one doesn't quite work out too well. Here, here's what I thought. Here's the other side of that argument is that everybody in this area up here and everywhere else in the state of Texas, Oklahoma, and the United States has got game cams everywhere, right. and you don't see any on a game cam. Now, one was ran over by Possum Kingdom Lake last year about this time. It's a big kid. <laughs> we had one get hit by a train. Mm. Yeah. What the hell? Uh, you think like, you know, you think of a mountain lion yeah. and it's this uh, – you know the the most nimble athletic creature <laughs> on the planet, and uh, it gets hit by a damn train. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. I would have never thought that. Was there any evidence to pick up after that? I gotta imagine that was pretty gross. 
I mean, I, I, there was still enough to definitely confirm it was a mountain lion. It's my understanding. That was back before I started with the department. Hmm. When's the last positive sighting y'all had of one up there? I mean, over over the summer. Where was it at? Uh, that would have been up on Lake Hudson, which is kind of the northeast part of the state. It was pretty funny. It's a, a populated lake area, you know, with people's lake homes and whatnot around. And just these people had pictures of a big cat sitting on their on their party deck eating <laughs> cat food out of the bowl. That's absolutely crazy. <laughs> I know it. I mean, they're they're quite the creature. That's for sure. I've got for something being so elusive to show yeah. up on you know the back deck of somebody's lake house. And then just flop its big ass down and start eating uh, kitty, you know, cat food. Yeah. <laughs> our, our, ga- uh, our old game warden confirmed one four miles south of us on a CRP patch. He saw it a couple of times. And yeah, and I mean, my thing about it is like, okay, cool. Like, what are we, you know, people just freak out about it. And it's like, well, there are millions of people that live with these animals every single day. Right. I think that it's, it's going to be okay. Oh, I'm not. I would like to shoot one just because it's a trophy. And I want to see one just to say I've actually seen one. Oh, I'd have to shoot one because nobody would believe me. So I'd have to say I shot it. <laughs> but, but what a, what, what, what a see, trophy. But, but would you want to shoot the only one in your area? Like yeah. it, like if that was the only one in Knox County. Ooh, it's a double-edged sword. I mean. Yes, I would. Really? Yeah, well, there'll be another one come along. They're not like they're going extinct. Shit, I know, I know In that, California, they're it, eating Democrats by the day. We it, need to put more mountain lions out there. It might be to this area. It might be the last mountain lion ever to come out of Knox County. I'd shoot a grizzly bear on the way home if I saw one. Uh, I don't know. I would. I promise you. Okay, let's, let's let's jump into something else. It's a lot of people have a lot of questions. I'm not a deer guy. I've been around deer. Okay. I know how to score a deer. I, you know, but I'm not a deer hunter. What? Yep. The, explain to me in layman's terms. None of these bi- fancy biology stuff that you're going to tell us <laughs> about. Right, tell down. us about chronic waste <laughs> disease. About what now? Chronic waste disease. Yeah, so, um, I mean, that's a, a disease that's obviously making big waves across the country. Um, it's a, a neurological disease that you can compare to uh, mad cow disease. It's kind of in that same family, um, not caused by a, a bacteria, not caused by a virus. It's actually caused by something called a prion, um, which is a, a misfolded protein, and essentially it it infiltrates a cell and and convinces all the other proteins that it should be like them so then they you know misfold and and the story goes on but it's definitely a a a big issue not only you know in oklahoma and texas but across the country now what what does this what does this make them do you said it's similar to mad cow do they do they just waste away do they um, are they acting weird yeah, so it's it's a neurological disease, um, and kind of I mean it's chronic wasting disease. Their brain just kind of wastes away. Um, you'll see massive weight loss. Um, you'll see them kind of stumbling around, drooling. Um, I mean it's it's a bad deal. It's it's you know fatal one hundred percent of the time, which makes it for a a very difficult disease to manage from a biologist standpoint. Where did this initially come from? Yeah, have? so, I mean, the, the first cases were found up in uh, the Colorado-Wyoming border area um, back in the 60s, and it's just kind of spread like wildfire uh, from there. I think we're up to, you know, 26 states and, and a handful of provinces that, that have gone positive for it, um, including Oklahoma and Texas. Um, 
Oklahoma has been lucky to not find it in their wild deer elk yet. It's just been, you know, in, in a high fence situation so far. Now, is this transferable to humans? So say say I shot a deer that had early, or the onset of this uh, chronic wasting yeah. disease. If I ate it, am I going to, is it transferable so, to humans? Just, uh, you know, it, it, from a, from my standpoint, I'm not a human health expert, um, but the CDC has just recommended that if you harvest a deer in an area that is known to have chronic wasting disease, uh, to have that animal tested, mm-hmm. And uh, if it comes back positive, they do not recommend eating it. Mm. See, I'd be nervous that I'd catch the first one in my area, and that's the one I got. <laughs> and a lot of that is, uh, you know, because there, the, the science just hasn't been completed on if it is going to be able to break the species barrier or not. So how does, so how does it transfer from, from animal to animal? So it transfers via, um, I mean, bodily fluid is going to be the easiest way to explain that. So saliva, mucus, uh, stuff like that. So, I mean, anytime that you unnaturally congregate animals is, is when you're putting that herd at risk. I gotcha. So, so that yeah. would explain why it's all, right now it's all in these high fence areas. Yeah, that. I mean, the states that have really got it bad and, and some of their wild populations will have feeding bands, baiting bands, kind of stuff like that going on. What What's the worst state right now that, that has this going on? Man, uh, I mean, obviously, some of those endemic states, Colorado, Wyoming, have got, um, got it to the point where they're starting to see some population decline. Um, I mean, it, it's a really, really slow-moving disease. Um, it takes, you know, two years, up to two years to become clinical. So they're walking around looking perfectly healthy, spreading that disease across the landscape. And, and finally, after, you know, 18 months or so, they're they're getting to the point where they look sick and, you know, you can tell something's wrong. So some of those states are, are starting to see population decline to it. Uh, unfortunately, our neighbors to the east, Arkansas, are are dealing with some pretty high prevalence rates over there, you know, up in the, the mid to upper 20 percentile. Wow. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's knocking on our door from every direction. Uh, over there, y'all's way, uh, kind of around the Dalhart area has, has had a, an issue with it just north of us in Kansas. I mean, it's, it's beating our door down here in Oklahoma, but we're, uh, we're monitoring for it and doing the best we can to, to prevent it from, from getting here. They've went into some high fence places and made them kill every animal, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately we've had to, to do the same here in Oklahoma on, on two occasions. And you can't test it while they're alive, can they? Yeah, there is no live, reliable live tests. Um, everything is, is done using, uh, what are called retropharyngeal lymph nodes are basically they're the, the same lymph nodes when you go to the doctor and you're sick and they rub on your neck. Yeah. Um, those, those two same lymph nodes, um, those are the preferred tissue for, for deer. Um, but with elk, they prefer something called the obex, which is basically the brain stem right where it meets the brain. So you cut an elk's head off and it's like, Oh shit, he didn't have it too bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, that that can be a result of it. A lot of the times we're having to remove that and send it off to a lab, and they do stuff that's way over even my head, uh, doing testing and, and whatnot, and they, they'll shoot us an email letting us know what's going on. 
So if I shot a deer that's in this area, who do I who do I send the deer to to make sure that this this deer didn't have this this disease? Yeah, so that that kind of varies from state to state. Um, some states, uh, you know, the the universities in that state will offer testing. Um, some states, the wildlife department will offer testing. Some of them uh, are you know will do it for free. Other states that aren't necessarily funded as well. Um, you're kind of having to do that on your own dime. So each state's going to be a little bit different. What about in Oklahoma? What do you do? Yeah, so in Oklahoma, um, you would need to call the Oklahoma State University Vet Diagnostics Lab, and they would uh, most of the time just take the entire head. They'd pull those samples, and I believe they'll send them off to another laboratory that's going to be doing the, the testing. Is it free, or do you, or is it on their uh, the hunter's dime? It's going to be on the hunter's dime. As of right now. So if, you find, if, if you're out hunting in the woods or something, and you come upon a, a lethargic deer that's not maybe just sitting there, acting not like a deer, then, then something you need to check into? Yeah, I mean, obviously in a situation like that, contacting your game warden first is going to be uh, be the best way to go about that. Um, more times than not, those game wardens will contact me, and uh, we'll take a look at it. The hard part with chronic wasting disease is there's a, a myriad of other other ailments that you know show some of those same symptoms that are a lot more common um, than than chronic wasting disease is. So up until now, it's all been uh, pretty clear sailing, but um, you know, it's, it's not if it's when kind of situation. Well, in Texas, you need to call your, uh, sheriff's department and then they can get in touch with the game warden. So what are some yeah. of these, what are some of these other diseases that can look like uh chronic wasting disease? Yeah. So especially right now, I know you guys aren't deer hunters, but, uh, the rut's kind of starting to, to get going here in Oklahoma. And, uh, there are things called a brain abscess um basically these butts will start fighting and get gored in the head um and that that infection will lead into the brain um which can be a a pretty nasty gnarly thing to to see but they'll just get a big brain infection and kind of act the same way you know real lethargic spinning around in circles drooling around and and that's a, a very common thing to see this time of year now is that fatal also, or or can deer recover from that? Uh, it's it's fatal a, a good percent of the time. I haven't seen too terribly many times where you know they receive an injury like that and and make it till the next year. Now, do, so on that injury, does does one of the antlers just pierce the skull basically, or is this like a concussion? Yeah, I mean. It- it can either be, uh, most of the time, it's a puncture wound right. um, where that tine will, will break the skull. But I've also seen it where it's just a fractured skull, mm. um, kind of right there on one of those fissures where the, the bones have fused together. Um, and that can be from fighting. That can be getting hit by a car. I mean, that deer, uh, deer are a, a weird critter where, boy, they're really good at surviving. But, boy, they do some really dumb stuff to die. Yeah, I've found I've four of those have uh, met my grill on my Dodge. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there and you, and go, you see them too you're like don't fucking do it don't fucking <laughs> do it and then it does it and you just right in the right in center nothing mass. nothing you can do there's a reason why all the folks down in in the you know the the rural parts of oklahoma are all rocking the brush guard it's not because it looks cool no no that is exactly right and after my third one that was a suggestion that i thought i might take up but I you just you think about it. Some bitches are out chasing women. They do stupid shit. They're getting puncture wounds. It's like, it's like going to Mexican war hey, on a Friday night. We, shit we've all been there, man. Yeah, we've all been there. We all do dumb shit. So, um, yeah. 
the rut, is that early or is that kind of on time uh, historically? So, I mean, if, if you think about it, the rut's really like a bell curve. Mm-hmm. Um, where the peak of our rut is going to be that second week in November. Um, but, you know, we start to see some chasing going on here the last about week or so, um, which is pretty normal um, for this time of year. I mean, there, you know, with a bell curve, there'll be some that are before that second week of, of November and some that kind of fall there afterwards. So we're, we're just about right on pace here. I saw a buck chasing a doe yesterday. Really? Yeah. yeah. Nice yeah, I mean, buck, they're, too. They're, they're starting to get a little little bit fired up here. Now it's what, cold, and, I mean, it's that time. What deer come into – what deer comes into rut first? Is it young deer? Is it old deer? Is it middle age? Who gets, Man, there, there's not really any data that, that have, have shown an answer to that question. Um, obviously, the young bucks are going to be the first ones to kind of get fired up here. It doesn't take a whole lot just – I mean that's that goes for just about anything, not just deer. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so how was y'all's uh, how was y'all season opener down there? We had a good opener. Uh Saturday we went out, we shot uh eighteen in the morning, then we shot eleven that afternoon, and then Sunday was just insane. Yes yesterday, we're doing this on Monday. Uh Sunday morning was just insane. Uh the place Insane good or insane? Insane bad? good. I mean there were Okay. So first light came up, and then we weren't. We knew there were ducks; we could hear them. But um, th- this place just has so much. Uh, it's the Texas timber, is what I call it. And I mean, they just started yeah, coming I saw the, in. The video on social media. They started coming in, and like twos and threes, and it the hole is actually too tight. So guys, patterns don't really open up all that great. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> it was a it was a good time, and. Uh, too, too close for missiles. You're switching to guns. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're basically throwing <laughs> a softball at these at these freaking ducks. But yeah, um, it was a good opener. We got a lot of ducks around. Now, yeah, did y'all get a lot of that rain that came through up here? No, no. didn't get a drop. Really? Not it it drop. rained Man, just a little had, bit. Uh, we've had, I think, two two or three inches here over the last you know five or six days. Yeah, you texted. It was a sloppy sloppy mess here for for our opener yeah you texted me don't float away and i'm thinking shit it's dry <laughs> as hell here so now let's talk about the trophy duck you shot yeah yeah um you're getting that you mounted know, every, right every, oh yeah okay yeah, good. She's, she's going on the wall but uh you know every year i've got a, a couple buddies from college that come up uh and we'll hunt together and, and hunt together throughout the year but headed out to one of my little spots over here uh Fast and furious first kind of 15, 20 minutes, and it just shut off. But, uh, you know, about 9.30, just a lone lone bird cruised on into the decoys, uh, flying right from behind the sun, so I couldn't tell what in the world it was. You know, you just knew, oh, well, here's a bird. Right. Stand-up shooter, and uh, lo and behold, it was a blonde mallard. That's beautiful. I saw the picture. It really is a beautiful bird. Yeah. I mean, she she's a, a, a really, really good one, so... Hopefully it won't take too terribly long to, to get her back from, from the taxidermist. And have got you, a good story to tell. It wasn't a barn burner of a hunt, but it's one that you'll remember forever just from, from kind of a unique bird like that. Have you ever shot one before or seen one? I had seen one one time before. Um, we do some youth hunts uh, down at Fort Cobb. I don't know if you guys have ventured over that way from Hobart, but yes. it's quite the show if you haven't been over that way. Um we will take a handful of kiddos over into the state park there and it's just it's pretty silly um you know get them in and out 
six you know five mallards in 20 minute kind of deal but had a kid that uh was had limited out on his hens and uh we're sitting there drinking hot cocoa and whatnot and uh in floats a blonde mallard. She Ooh. lands right on the decoys about 15 yards away, swims around and takes off. And I looked at, uh, at my boss at the time who was sitting there next to me and, uh, bar, both bar jaws were just on the floor. That's That's crazy. I, I don't think I've ever seen one. Yeah. That's the only real time I've seen one. I didn't know kind of what, if you guys got into any hybrids or anything like that, if y'all have killed any, y'all killed a heck of a lot more birds than I have. We, we've killed a lot of, a lot of different hybrids. The, we've got a we and we've had this discussion a few times. We've killed a Eurasian widgeon. Yeah. That's some people say it's a hybrid with Eurasian and American widgeon. But we've got that. We've killed the storm widgeon. We've got a couple yeah, of I, ma- I, mallard gadwall crosses. We've got what I think's a mallard uh, green wing teal cross. We've killed yeah. some different birds, but we kill a lot of stuff. We've got a spicanida across, but you know, and we shot. Uh, we shoot last year. We shot something really different. I can't remember what it was. Uh, we shot I shot a, a surf scoter last year in Oklahoma on a farm really? pond. That, that's yeah, a I mean, bitch was lost. He was way out of bounds as far as where he's supposed to be at. We had a harlequin down here on a ranch one time, and I saw it four days in a row. Yeah. And the first couple of days, it didn't really register me on what it was. And then I looked through it, and I thought, I'm going to go kill that bitch. And I, I, in the bitch would... When I went to go kill it, finally, four days in a row I was there. The dad go kill it. I, I saw it, went to jump over it, went off the pond. I've never seen it again. <laughs> yeah, we every year we'll have a couple weirdo sea ducks that'll trickle through. But for the most part, we don't see too much of that stuff. Well, that was a damn sure a trophy that you had. That's a beautiful, beautiful duck. And I, like yeah, I said, I don't think I've ever seen one. Let me ask you this. We talked about, you said something about Fort Cobb a minute ago. Here, uh-huh. I don't understand why the federal government and the states, to get these kids interested in hunting, they don't open up places like that that are closed and let every weekend have different groups use it to just take kids hunting. No adults carry a gun. And and I just can't imagine, you know, waive the hunting license, the stamps, everything for these kids and let kids go one time yeah. on one of these hunts every year. And it just, it, it has to be good for our sport. Yeah, and I mean that—that's something that I think every state is dealing with—is—is is what we call R three, and it's you know recruitment, retention, and reactivation. And uh, you know, unfortunately, not only waterfowling but every aspect of hunting is is struggling to keep hunters, and uh, it's a sad thing to see. But you know, that's one of those reasons why we here in Oklahoma have got a lot of youth hunting opportunity. We have. You know, a, a youth deer rifle season that is in the middle of October, um, before it gets cold and miserable. We've got those youth duck hunts that, that are pretty freaking awesome. Um, but I'm just not sure opening it up every single weekend, it, it's hard because you have to man that. You know, you've got to staff that and have a, have the manpower to, to be able to do it. Now, trust me, I'd love to do it. Um, you know, there's nothing more I like than, than duck hunting and even better taking a, a kid on his first time around so it's definitely something that that i'll look into just to to say i've done it but it's a it's a cool situation i mean fort Cobb has got a bazillion birds and i'm sure everybody that that is listening to this knows it just yep. but it's uh it's quite the show 
They, there will be a lot of people there now. Thanks, it, thanks it, to this puck. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Andy, There's a Andy, lot of people there already. Yeah. I'm not hurting anybody's feelings with that, I promise you. Oh, Al- Andy's Alamosa. Ru- has ruined Alamosa, Colorado, and now the public hunters at Fort Cobb, Oklahoma <laughs> are like, son of a bitch. Talk about Arkansas or something. Don't tell everybody how great this is. Yeah, I'm like you, though, Dallas. It's not a very well-kept secret. Okay. My, 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 no, my, go ahead. When that's when that's unlimited, writing about it, I think I'm I'm okay to let yeah, it yes. on yeah. You're not letting the you're not letting the cat out of the bag. Another thing, no, and I mean that that uh, there's a couple really good outfitters that run around down there as well. So I've I've gotten to be pretty good buddies with them. But it's uh, it's a heck of a show, and I mean you guys are right there, kind of on the same uh, same flight path. So. Yeah, a but lot we, of the birds that, that they see, you guys see the same ones. We had a lot of our ducks feeding from there last year. We're coming from that way. Yeah. I'm assuming that's over. But I can tell you one thing. I don't miss having to be in the middle of that shit show over there. That's too much. <laughs> it can be a zoo, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Now, here's another thing. I don't understand who at the state of Oklahoma thinks it's a good idea to shoot, shoot duck season down the first two weeks of December. I've never understood why y'all split. They don't just take off two weeks in November and open it up at Thanksgiving run all the way through January. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's something that is set in statute. So, you know, they've said uh, that it runs from, I'm not sure the actual verbiage on it. So I'm sure that I'll get a couple angry emails or something. But, Welcome you know, to it, the club. It, says that, it, it says, you know, the split will run. The first, or you know, the first, uh, the Saturday before Thanksgiving, and run for the X amount of days, and then body, body, blah. So, I mean, that that's how it works. It's not just dates that they that we you know pull out of a hat. That's been set by statute. And this year, it's actually a really late split um, because the way that calendar right. turned out, you know, we're looking at two weeks of of split in what some would call some of the best hunting that we get. It's got to cost the state a ton of money because all the outfitters are losing a week of December hunting. You know, it opens up so late you get one week and then it's Christmas vacation. So a lot of people, you know, yeah. are slow down. They can't hunt as much. But, yeah, I just I think that it if you if the federal government's giving you the amount of dates you can take and you can take your split whenever, take that crap before Thanksgiving and then let everybody hunt all of December and January. Yeah. And I mean, there, there's been some, I don't know if you guys kind of get, obviously you're licensed Oklahoma hunters. So you got the email with the survey and all that stuff. I think it was last year talking about split timing and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's definitely something that we take into consideration every year. What our, what our hunters want, you know, we're here to serve the people, so to speak. Okay. My next thing I want to get on to is back to big game. Kind of it's something you don't call okay. it big game, uh, wild hogs. What's, the state of Texas is not always the smartest thing, and it comes out of Austin, Texas, which really, if you're going to give Texas an enema, that's where it would happen at. How in the <laughs> hell does anybody think it's a good idea to poison wild hogs that it's not going to affect all the other animals? Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I can really speak about hogs is I'm really glad that uh, it's the Department of Ag's problem and not mine. <laughs> um they uh they're dealing with with quite a an interesting situation over there um now the poisoning deal you're talking about i think that are you referring to the warfarin yeah that sid miller or people are, are studying on yes was gonna let yeah, people start doing um, that it's a it's a messy messy deal um it's obviously not legal in any state that i know of as of right now um the the studies that are going on are trying to figure out ways to uh tailor that poison to only affect 
you know, the the swine family. So we'll see what the old what the old laboratory nerds can get done, but it's just not not anywhere close to being ready to, to go right now. Because I looked at it this way. If you if you kill a wild pig and you use it by this poison, I don't know much about poisons or anything, but you, you kill a, you'll kill a wild pig and then a coyote eats on it or a bobcat or a raccoon or a possum or whatever yeah. eats on it. And then they get picked up by a damn buzzard or some bird pecks at it. It don't take yeah, long for the whole, yeah, the whole ecosystem is, is affected by this. Mm-hmm. And I just, I can't imagine that anybody would think it was smart to just put poisons out for that. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's been plenty of, of studies and, and data to show that kind of the most effective way to, rid them is is via trapping and i mean that's what you're seeing a lot a lot of people doing however um you know when you trap them you got to kill them a lot of people are selling them to you know uh high fence hunting areas or you know whatever it may be but it's not doing doing any good to put them in a fence because i mean they're they are escape artists by nature oh they're smart as hell now are they all over oklahoma like they are here in texas or their place for the most part home. yeah i mean obviously as you if you look at our state um you know the river system map they obviously kind of stem out from that but uh it dang near every county for the most part has at least got one or two running around on it we when we first started hunting in oklahoma was that six years ago andy probably yeah about six years ago around the Hobart area, I would see some pigs, you know, just to hear one here, one there. And I'm starting to notice the last couple of years, there's a whole lot more sign of it. And now I bet it's y'all pull into some of those peanut fields or wheat fields or whatnot. And it just looks like a bunch of bombs went off in there. Yeah. It's, but you know, we're used to that because where we live, it's been that way for 20 years here. We got tons we've yeah. got pigs, but I mean, we're seeing more, but you don't, when, when, when the pig population's up, you see a lot of, of grill damage on cars and you see them up and down the road. And I started oh, yeah. seeing that last year. We saw a lot of cars had been hit, and you'd see dead carcasses on the road. And whenever you hit a pig, you've got some problems because it fucks up your car bad. Yes, they're a pretty stout little animal. And oh, a small package. They're rough. Now, what what about the what about the animals like oddads? Are is they are they increasing in population? Yeah, I mean, so with that not being a game species at all, um, we don't monitor them too terribly much, but um, kind of the the counties that hug the Texas panhandle there. So for us, that would be like Beckham, Greer, uh, Tillman, Harmon counties. Um, there'll be a couple little isolated pockets of Audad. Um, so, you know, we get some pictures every once in a while, somebody that's gone in there and, and harvested one, but it's nothing like, you know, over there in the actual panhandle of Texas, it's getting to the point where outfitters are being able to, to offer hunts and whatnot. We haven't quite gotten there in, uh, in Oklahoma, but I'm sure we're not too far behind. They're a pretty hardy critter. I saw a field two years ago. I bet there was a hundred of them in it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're they're just a big old goat, man. So if you give them a place to to eat like that, they're not going to go far. One of my hunters uh, the other day, I guess it was two weeks ago, he said he saw a doe that still had uh, last year's offspring. Is that normal, or should she have kicked it off by now? From are you talking white tails? Yes. Yeah, I mean they're 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 a pretty um, family oriented animal, um, especially does so. 
necessarily running them off isn't something that is, you know, super, super normal. Um, but I mean, it, it kind of depends on, they've, they've all got personalities. So each one of them will kind of handle it differently. But for the most part, you know, those groups of does are all, 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 uh, all family groups. So that poor little, uh, like when it comes time to start bumping uglies again, what, what's that doe going to, is that little guy going to watch? Most of, most of the time, <laughs> <laughs> rated, rated X, for sure. Yeah. Um, no, it, uh, a lot of times they'll, they'll kind of split off during the rut and do their own thing, but most, most of those doe groups are, are small family groups. Yeah. Thank God I'm not a deer. Okay, let me... All right. Let me ask you this. What's the weirdest shit you've ever had someone call you on that they've seen? Oh, man. Um, I mean, that, we get a lot. I, I get a lot of calls about, uh, you know, just general disease kind of looking issues that that people just freak out about. Um, a big one that I've had here lately is uh, Michigan had had some cases of deer that were carrying bovine TB or tuberculosis. Really? And the CDC, you know, made a big stink about it. So I've been getting a lot of phone calls about that lately. And obviously with the uh, the amount of, of cattle that we have here in Oklahoma and Texas is the same way. You know, that's not something that, that we take lightly. Um, so it's something we monitor for pretty, pretty tightly here through the Department of Agriculture. We haven't had any cases in our deer here. The last case we had in our cattle was in 2007 and that was way up there at black mesa and cimarron county at our our panhandle so it's not something we worry about too much but man as far as weird stuff there there isn't anything that just sticks out in my mind um i mean i've seen some some pretty gnarly stuff with the like i was saying those brain abscesses earlier heck there was a picture floating around facebook here the last couple days of a a buck that got killed with a muzzleloader this week and he uh had impaled himself on on another buck's rack and was just carrying that buck's skull oh, around, kind of impaled in, into his head like a like a war trophy or something. It was it was pretty wicked. I mean, like I said, they're the toughest critter on the planet, but boy, at the same time, they can get hung in a barbed wire fence and die. And it makes you just go, "What in the world?" Now, do do elk when when they're sparring like that? Do do they have the same? Uh same kind of, you know, do, do they get stuck yeah. together and, and carry each other around? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it, but, I mean, there, there are plenty of states that where, you know, people will find bulls that have been locked up and, and get found dead. I mean, they're, they're, I don't think they're as susceptible to it with the way that their antlers are, are you know, shaped. Um, there's not as much opportunity for them to get locked together like that, but, yeah, I mean, it definitely happens in the whitetail world quite a bit. Now, let me let me ask you this. Uh, where was that big ass deer that was killed in Oklahoma? Wasn't it the New World record? Yeah, so we had a deer. Uh, the one you're talking about, that big typical. Yes, it was killed right. north of Knox City. That's what I put on my Facebook. <laughs> yeah, north of Knox City. North of Knox City and south of Omaha. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I mean, it, it's been covered quite quite extensively. It was killed in Pawnee County, um, which is. Uh, kind of north central oklahoma here uh runs along one of our major rivers um i mean just an absolute giant of is, a deer is that um, by enid 
How would it be from Enid? So that's going to be east of Enid. Okay. A g- pretty good ways east of Enid there. If you know where Stillwater is, yes. Oklahoma State yes. University is, it's, it's north and east of there just a little ways. Oh, it's almost to freaking Kansas on the – I thought it was somewhere in the – I thought it was like due north of us. So it's way back over by – like Sedan, Kansas, and that area back in there. Kind of, it's, I mean, it, it's it's a little ways from Kansas, probably about forty five minute drive, hour drive maybe, but but it's uh it's you know kind of north. If you look at Oklahoma in thirds, it's in that north or that central region, but uh, kind of the northeast part of that. Um, but I mean, dude, it's it it was a stud. Hundred and Green scored one hundred and ninety two or one hundred and ninety four, uh, you know, net. So we'll see after that drying period, kind of where it lands. But I don't think it's going to be a world record, but it'll it'll be it, it's a, a world class whitetail, that's for sure. Had the guy been hunting it and seen it, or was it just one of them? I'm gonna go out. Bubba's gonna go out, sit in his stand, and that's what he kills. No, um, they they've been watching him for three years. Um, as a young deer, kind of showed some potential, and a lot of our hunters here in Oklahoma are starting to. to kind of let let the younger guys grow up and understand that that it takes some age to grow a big deer and finally got to the point where they said yeah i think he's he's you know old enough to to harvest and here we stand with with a you know a 200 inch typical i think gross he was 209 or 206 so gross score wasn't too far behind what a world record would be what 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 age is the is the right time to take a deer where you're getting where you've got max growth they're not going to get any bigger. Yeah. What age are you so that, looking that, at? That five and a half to six and a half year old age group um, is is what's most widely accepted. Um, obviously, certain uh, situations can lead to to deer kind of peaking out a, a little early, um, and a lot of that has to do with habitat. So you know, if if he grows up in a uh, a good habitat where you know drought isn't an issue for the first four years of his life, and then we have another, you know, 2012 happen where just the bottom end of, of it falls out and we turn into the dust bowl. He's he's not going to get any bigger for, for quite a while until that habitat rebounds. But, you know, a normal year, normal situations, that five and a half, six and a half year old range is, is kind of what's most widely accepted. That that deer, and Andy thought I was bullshitting last week, that deer is a million dollar deer. If you could, if you, if so. you had pictures of that deer, Someone would pay a million dollars to shoot that. that has There's a lot, of money. a lot of people in the DFW jungle that probably would pay for something like that. They would. There's a rich guy that's got tons of money. Money's not an object. He can't buy that deer I mean, nowhere. A, you a, have to. A 200 inch typical is is kind of the benchmark for a lot of those you know high fence hunting areas. So yeah. For a free range deer, I, I, I don't know if they would if they would pay the harvesting, but somebody would sure as hell pay to keep him in their pen. Yep, but I think someone would pay a million bucks for that deer to shoot him so they could go down to the men's club and brag to all their friends that I shot that, you know. Everything's for sale, baby. That's exactly everything. <laughs> That's right. So, I don't, unless Jerry Jones is a big deer hunter. I, there's a lot of guys have that kind of money. Jerry Maybe not Jones, Jones got a high fence in Springfield. Yep. Does he really? Yeah. Yeah. He, what uh, Are they testing his deer? They better be testing them for that chronic wasting. I would imagine so. Missouri's dealing with it on their own, so I don't know what they've got going on over that way. I've heard his I've heard his duck hunting club in Stuttgart is quite the place to be on a Friday night. I can imagine so. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that there's just zero liquor flowing and absolutely no fun being had. There ain't no there's no debauchery being done there, I can promise you. <laughs> Good Christian boys. Yeah, that's right. So 
uh, as a non-deer hunter, how do you tell this five-and-a-half or, or six-and-a-half-year-old deer? How, how can you easily identify it? Well, there is no easy way. Um, you know, the, the way that I explain it to a lot of people that, that might not be, you know, deer hunters or aren't experienced with it is you've got to think about it like a, a group of 18-year-old boys. There's going to be some that are six, five, and 300 pounds, and there's going to be that one kid that's five foot one and 120 pounds dip and wet. But what you can do is, you know, kind of look at some of the, of the body characteristics that most all deer have. Um, and, and it's not something that you can easily put into individual, you know, gear classes, but what you can do is put them into kind of like a, a young, a mature and an old age group. Um, some of those things are going to be what those legs appear like to the body. So a younger deer is going to look like it's got legs that are a little too long for his body, kind of that giraffe like, uh, look, right. so to speak, um, where, you know, that old buck is going to be looking a little squattier than, uh, than that. He's going to kind of have short little legs and, and a body that looks too big for those legs. Um, you know, the, the way that the neck blends into the brisket, um, kind of a, a Roman nose type slopey nose kind of stuff. I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff that you read about and for the most part, it's all true, but being able to put them into an individual age class is, is damn near impossible. And it's pretty foolish if you really think about it. So basically like if I was going to go out, I just have to kind of, just like you said, you know, you can kind of tell a, a deer that's kind of gone through puberty. Like they just have this yeah. kind of bulkier, bulkier physique. Exactly. I mean, a, a young deer, a young buck is going to look like a doe with antlers. Right. Yeah. And and that more mature buck, you're if the hard part is when they're by themselves. Now, if they're right. standing out there with a group of deer, you can pretty easily point out one and, and say that one's definitely a mature buck. But it gets a little a little more difficult to an untrained eye if it's all by itself. So will like a, will like a six and a half year old be with uh, like three and a half year old bucks? Like how how does that how does that hierarchy uh, sort itself out? Yeah, I mean, depending on the on the time of year, absolutely. I mean, summertime, you know, those bucks all kind of gang up together in what we call bachelor groups. Um, you'll see them all running around together, being the best of friends, and then you know, about this time of year, they start really developing that pecking order and, and start whooping on each other and figuring out who's the boss and that dominant deer will, will do his thing and uh not necessarily be you know in those groups anymore a lot of those younger bucks will stick around around mama or around you know some other groups of those but for the most part those mature bucks will, will go off on their own and do their own thing so when will a deer that say so say like a a, a not the not the bull of the woods, but the guy that got his tail whipped. Will he go off a couple miles and try to get those does, or will he just yeah, kind of gang yeah, up and hopefully get a shot? I mean, you shot? see, um, a, a lot of, of young bucks will kind of venture from that home area and try to establish a, a a new kind of territory, so to speak, and that kind of continues until he either just gets his tail kicked so many times that he understands <laughs> that maybe I'm not the biggest baddest bull in the woods and. Or uh, he kind of finds his own little little kingdom to to rule over, be it five acres or five thousand acres. So how does that uh, the 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 big boy out there that will he have to fight off all the all of the uh, other male bucks in that area, or will they not necessarily? How, how does that work? Like like do do 
Is there like a ranking system? Like, okay, you two fuckers are going to fight, and then you go get Johnny over there? I mean, how does that work? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, with with deer being so, uh, you know, scent-oriented uh, uh, critters, you know, they, they've kind of got a way of, of communicating via scrape lines, rubs, um, being able to, to tell who all's in the, in the neighborhood. Um, and, you know, they they see those bucks that, that fight each other and they just kind of decide, man, I, I don't want anything to do with that. So he doesn't necessarily, it's not like fight club where he, he <laughs> fights every single buck that, that they're in the, in the area, but you know, it, it kind of works its way around to where that dominant buck will, will make his presence known on in the area and, and everybody kind of knows to, to leave him alone. So that's how it all starts are, are the scrapes. Yeah, I mean, early season, you'll early, early rut, I guess you should say. Right about now, we've really kind of established some some scrape lines and and some rub lines, and that's kind of how those bucks tell who all's in the neighborhood and and what does are are running around. So what is that? So the big buck he'll go scrape, and then if somebody's thinking they might want to challenge him, they'll go scrape over his scrapes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's kind of exactly how it how it works, and and it it's its own kind of little chess match and and form of communication but they uh they'll talk to each other that way and then i'm not quite sure just because i'm i i don't speak deer but they uh i'm sure that it, it's not quite as formal as hey meet me on the wheat field right. at 5 30 p.m but you know it it's it, somewhat around that that idea at least it's so fascinating you know like that guy walks back to that scrape and he's like son of a bitch <laughs> simon has been over when i see simon we're fucking going at it. Gloves yep. are coming <laughs> off. It's going to get nasty in the parking lot as soon as I see his ass. Exactly. Okay. We're, Meet I'm, me on the playground. <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm going to move it from deer. I've got to ask this question. You're in Oklahoma, southeast Oklahoma, the Bigfoot hub of the world. Have you had a Bigfoot call ever? <laughs> <laughs> so I think you're talking about Hochatown, America. <laughs> have you had a call? Uh, I have not had any calls regarding Bigfoot. Thank God. I think. Uh, whatever tv station that that whole tv nat geo is that what it's on yeah chasing uh, they they've handled a lot of that for us luckily um but yeah it, it's i mean hell it's made that that town and that region millions of dollars on tourism so it's a it's an interesting little deal going on over there you need to plant green apples because we had a bigfoot guy on and he said that's the key they like to eat green apples but he didn't have any pictures yeah. of it you had a hunter come through that was a big old no, Bigfoot No, player. no, no. We had a Bigfoot guy on the podcast the with podcast. us this spring. Oh, I I guess I missed out on that one. You oh, need, you need to go check it out. Yeah, he's he's, he's an expert. But I'd he's, love to have I'd love to to get on one with him just I'd pick his brain. No, him. no you wouldn't. He wasn't a brain picker type of guy cuz that's what we was expecting. Oh yeah, he just said this is the way it's going to be. Nah, there's a good chance that he's slept with a cousin probably, we got I'm guessing. Duped. So basically, I'll I'll summarize it. He he's got a buddy that sees them every day. They eat his green apples, uh, oh, okay. comes up to his porch. And so Jeff and I asked him, well, uh, have you gone? Because he doesn't have any pictures or anything. So we were like, well, have you gone to your buddy's place where they're eating these green apples every day and investigated there? Well, no, I that hadn't really thought of that. Like my mountain lion calls. Hadn't really thought about that. And we were like, oh, well, <laughs> I might yeah, start that, that there. That sounds a lot like our, our black mountain lion calls. Right, yeah. The black, the black mountain lion, the the tough one that's oh, always, yeah. yeah. But I, but I'm exactly. Boy, 
he, it's kind of weird how every damn phone in somebody's pocket's got a really good camera on it these days. Yeah. Boy, there just sure ain't very many pictures floating around. This, you know? this boy didn't want to see a Bigfoot because he told us that he saw one, he thought, by a creek one time. I said, well, did you go back? No, I guess I should have. Well, fuck, if you're tra- making your whole deal about chasing a Bigfoot, you know, then, then you're going to go see it, you know, or you're going to try everything you can do. So I don't think he was really looking real hard. And But but the best part is you need to listen to it. I can't remember the guy's name now. It was Kristen Berry. Kristen Berry was his name? I think, yeah. That don't sound right. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up when we get Isn't off it Joe Kristen Berry? Joe Kristen, yeah, Kristen Berry, not yeah. Kristen, Chris Berry. I thought, yeah, Kristen Berry was his last name. But he, but if you want to do one, he, he tells us how to make the howl. He makes a noise, and you can learn from that. So He puts, he puts on clinics at coffee shops all over Oklahoma, he said. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I'm telling you, it, it's been a hell of a of an economic boost to to a part of the state that really doesn't have a whole lot to write home about. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 got to be known for something. I, the people in Arkansas, yeah, Ar- yeah, I mean, if it's going to be that, you might as well go all out. The people from Arkansas, he says he's from Oklahoma. The people in Oklahoma says he's from Arkansas. Nobody, I think they like to, they like to point fingers at each other yeah, over there. I, I think he's a graduate of University of Oklahoma. Probably. I mean, that that's right up their alley. So, the only so, difference between Oklahoma and Arkansas, I think, is electricity anyway, so it's a pretty tight race there. Probably crystal methamphetamine. <laughs> yeah. They got a good <laughs> got a good chemistry uh, department over there. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So you're, but, I mean, as, go ahead. you guys have seen some parts of, of, of Oklahoma, so, I mean, y'all, y'all know what the drill is. Yeah. I've been all over that great state, and I love Arkansas, I mean, Oklahoma. And what's funny is, is people from Texas, they don't really – people from Oklahoma and Texas, there's no difference in the people. Especially no, not at all. when you get in western Oklahoma, the difference between western Oklahoma and where we live in Texas and the Panhandle is nothing. People stop. They ask you if you need some help. They're good, good people. And it's a it's a heck of a place to live, and and you know it, it's a heck of a place to to get to call home and hunt. So, so you're I'm blessed to to be from from here, and I know that you guys enjoy uh, the the great resources that we have, and. It's a it's a heck of a place to be at. That's for sure. I wish y'all would quit blowing it up all the time. Though, quit telling people about all this stuff over here. You're the one that brought up Fort Cobb, not us. We got to we got to sell hunt somehow. <laughs> I'm sending everybody over there to stay away. Mm-hmm. You're the only Smoke one on here. Man. You're the only one on Smoke here with a, with a biology yeah, nobody, degree. So nobody listens to this anyway, right? No, nobody. Not not one person. <laughs> so what do what what do you, what does the biologist in you say about Bigfoot? man he had watched this he's gonna get shit in the office <laughs> yeah it's just uh i mean uh i'm just gonna no comment that one <laughs> no you I'm can't no comment you this is a do this is a it, big honker podcast Evolu- from, from an evolution standpoint it makes sense that it could exist uh-huh. but man here's the thing that that and i say this about mountain lions too and and we touched on it a little bit before is like there are so many damn trail cameras that are out everywhere in this state. I mean, it, it's unbelievable uh, how many there are. And you would think that, boy, if that sucker existed, we'd at least have one picture of it. And that's why I'm with you. I, I, I think, so I'm like you. I'm a never-never guy. I'll never say never. But yep. I don't think that it's impossible, especially seeing some of the, you know, the Gigantopithecus and, and everything that we've seen uh but I'm like you. There are so many trail cams out there, and none of them have a picture of Bigfoot. But we do Not have mountain one. lines, and you, and you get thousands of calls in them, and you've only seen, you've only had one sighting all year long. 
And if you listen to this guy, if you go to this green apple orchard, there's a confirmed Bigfoot sighting. According to him. Yes. Where's the pictures at, Joe? I hadn't seen them yet. I, I, you know what? Here, here's my thoughts on Bigfoot. I'm a non-believer, but I'm a believing. I like to listen to weird people talk and tell stories. So I would love to have another <laughs> one of them guys on. I want to. Well, I hope that's. I hope that's not why you had me on today. No, 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 no. Yours come from a whole different deal. You have a good story. <laughs> hey, here's this nerdy kid that knows about deer. Let's have him on. Yeah, but now I am trying to get a guy that's been abducted by an alien in South Carolina. I think I've got that worked out. I can't wait to hear this story. Let's go, oh, Jesus. You'll love if it. If you Andy. don't make it happen, I'm gonna be real disappointed. I, I want to because I like talking to people like that. I mean, the, 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 <laughs> they can learn you a thing or two, can't they? That, that's exactly right. No, so so you notice when I when you talked about this mallard you shot, I didn't ask you where you shot your duck. Did you notice how I gave you leeway there of not to tell that? Yeah, I mean, obviously everybody that that listens and is from our kind of neck of the woods here knows that it had to have been from from zone one, um, since that's the only only zone that was open here this last weekend. Uh, so we'll leave it at that. But it's uh, I'm going to use your your kind of method here it it was uh north and west of dallas and kind of <laughs> south and east of denver yeah. there, there, there you go where is where is zone one now because i don't know the zones is that north of I, uh what's what is it i-40 that goes to amarillo from oak 30. city yeah so it, it's kind of a, a weirdly drawn zone um some of it's politically driven some of it's biologically driven but um basically it's if you look at our state in kind of in quadrants where I-35, you know, splits us east and west and I-40 splits us north and south. It's kind of that northwest quadrant of the state, but there's a little bit of it that goes over I-35 to the east and some of it uh, isn't necessarily included there on that uh, that northwest quadrant. Like our, our three counties in the Panhandle are, are their own unit, so to speak, a, a High Plains Mallard unit, and that's set by federal regulations there um but it, it's northwest oklahoma is the best way to kind of describe it now hold on just a minute. we're gonna hold off just a second we've got can you hear that in the background we got the new guy here he just fucked up and drove by on a four-wheeler right next to the window <laughs> we've got the loudest goddamn rhino that uh, we've got ed fixing it every year and it doesn't have a muffler is that your new is that your new pheasant guy bo yeah, yes bo. he hasn't screwed up how's yet your, how's your dad how's your dad treating dad well dad's in the hospital dad had to be hospitalized on what friday uh, saturday oh, back again, huh? yeah he's gonna be there for two or three more days he's hoping he's gonna get out tomorrow right. but the weather he just it's gonna be this is gonna be the future for us for until the end probably it's just in and out in and yep. out in and out but dad's been treating him really well so far dad likes him but they haven't had to do a pheasant hunt together yet, so we'll Not see yet, how they huh? drive. We'll see so how they cross mesh. that bridge when you get to it. Yeah, because Ron, he like we. There's a right way, a wrong way, and then there's Ron's way, and uh, it's going to be kind of that dominance hierarchy that you see in 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 deer. Like <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're going to figure out the pecking order pretty quick real quickly. And, and what's but bad? I promise you, I can probably tell you where that coin's going to land. Yeah, and what's bad is is if if Bo doesn't like rise up to the challenge ron will just walk all over him dad likes bo though i mean he's got to kind of he's bo's got a tough gig because he's got to toe the line but he's also got to got to show that that he's not gonna be a pushover yeah Yeah, and he's got me on his side because i will if dad if i have to 
get on dad. I will get on dad. He don't listen to me, but I'll get on to him. But dad is so popular with the customers. They absolutely oh, yeah. love, they love dad and they like talking to him and his stories. And that's just hard for a young 20 year old kid. Cause 20 year old kid don't have stories like that. Cause they don't have any life skills yet. You know? And no, it's, it's hard to, hard to relate. And I'm finding that as, as I get older, it's, uh, it's harder to keep up with those damn kids anymore. It, it, it is, but it's kind of like I, I, I told Bo the other day. I said, it's kind of like a, a comedian. An old comedian's funnier than a young. There's no good 20-year-old comedians out there because they don't have no stories because they haven't done nothing. They haven't learned anything. Yeah, they haven't done nothing stupid. Old, old comedians, the best comedians are the old guys that's done a lot of stupid shit. And they got funny stories because they've done it, and that's with him. But he's a, he's a super good kid, and he's he, dad's talked to him from the hospital four or five times a day, and they communicate. Dad likes him. I just hope when the hunts get going that dad will let him do let him take care of it, and let dad just well, kind of sure sit back and coach. Up. That sure makes the the workplace easier. Yes, the hunt is going to be where the rubber meets the road. Everything's good right now, but when uh, tensions will get we'll high, we'll see when it's nut cutting time. We'll see. It, everything, yeah, will, there you go. everything will come to a head. I've gone through this for 27 years with guides because we always get the new guide in that knows more than everybody, and he don't last very long. And Bo, to this point, he has not seemed like he's that that. Kid. No, not like, at all. Like he seems like he's ready to to learn and do whatever it takes. He's having fun, but hell, who would? What 20 year old kid that likes to hunt wouldn't want to work at a lodge where you'd go hunt where you stay busy and you're around? I mean, that's that's fucking fantasy here. It's a. Uh... You know, you've got to learn to embrace the suck. Yes, that's exactly right. And there's not a lot of suck to it. That's what's not bad. Oh, I mean, there's plenty of suck to it. <laughs> I haven't, yeah, I mean, I haven't I, had I, a hard hunt in years. That. I worked for an outfitter in South Central Kansas all through college running deer hunts up that way. And it, uh, there's a lot of suck for just a little bit of glory. But Is that just a little bit of glory? That seems that like so a lot of fun. such a terrible job being a deer guide because, like, at least with waterfowl hunting, you're going to see something. You might not shoot a whole lot, but you're going to see a lot of birds. You might not fucking yeah. see a deer. I mean, the, the unit that we were in, Unit 16 in South Central Kansas, is a, a world premier uh you know, deer unit. People dream about it. It's a, it's a, a really, really good unit. The archery guiding. Yeah, you're a glorified taxi cab. Um, <laughs> but, but the rifle hunts are where really the rubber meets the road. And you're, you're running and chasing deer all day long. So it's a, it's way different than waterfowl. I promise you that. But it, uh, it's just as rewarding in a lot of different ways. Now you said South Central. You south of Great Bend area. Yeah, so this was around the Medicine Lodge area. Okay, my um, that kind of Barber Barber Harper County area. We've one of my good friends, Luke Musgrove. It's been on the podcast. He worked for us for a couple of years. He 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 lives in Great Bend and he guides uh, deer hunts. They shoot some monsters up there around Great Bend. Yeah, I mean that it's it's a hell of a state to deer hunt in. But boy, Oklahoma is really starting to make a name for ourselves here in the last uh, oh five years or so. There's we get rid of the, we get rid of this damn cotton. Things will be a whole lot better. I know it, man. It's uh, I've lost a lot of really good duck holes on the other side of the Red River from cotton. So, how did you? Uh, how were your deer guides? Um, is it mostly stands? Is it stalking? How did you do it mostly? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, our our archery season um, was the first. Let's see, the, that was the first week in November. Um, that was one hundred percent stands operated. Um, the rifle hunt was a little different, just kind of depending on the weather and, and what the deer were doing. That was the 
first week of December. Um, that could be set with a you know set with a client in a blind, or it could be boy, we're getting boots on the ground and we're we're going to go find a deer to shoot. So it's a uh, it was kind of the best of both worlds there. Is sitting in the blind with the clients the worst? Because like especially like <laughs> if you're not seeing deer and you get like. <laughs> Listen, waterfowl hunting with them, you know, you you can blow your call and you can kind of do all this. But yeah, like if there's, you're there's in a, a lot more a lot more client interaction, and I mean, the the good thing about it is it was the same sixteen hunters every year, eight archery and eight rifles. So right. you really developed a, a relationship with those guys, and I'm sure you guys know know kind of what I'm talking about. Repeat customers, they uh, there was a lot to be talked about in the blind, and and. With that rifle blind, you know, we're talking the nice insulated windows and that whole deal. So y'all could sit in the blind and have a full-blown conversation. But at the same time, boy, there was a couple guys that they would just kick back and, and they'd be sawing logs and I'd be the one watching for deer. So it was a, it was a fun experience. So you did that? Did Now, did you always know that this was the route that you wanted to take? Man, you know, I, I'm sure my story is a lot like a lot of other people is I grew up hunting and fishing and I decided, man, at, at a bare minimum, there's no way I could work in an office. Right. Um, and uh, that kind of took me in, in the direction of going to school at Oklahoma State, getting a, a, a degree in wildlife ecology, um, you know, working for that outfitter. Um, then after college, I actually worked on a high fence deer ranch for a year a big breeding operation and then an opportunity came up to hop on with the wildlife department which was kind of always a dream of mine and and here i am now when you were at the high fence place is that were you basically just breeding deer what was what yeah doing i mean there? that was that was a lot more of a of a, a farmed deer situation so artificial insemination work semen draw i mean they're it, it's basically a run in a cattle ranch but it's just white tails instead of 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 cattle now where would they what was the most that you saw uh semen purchase for boy you know you'd go to some of those big nationwide conference deals and i mean you're looking at anywhere between five and fifteen thousand dollars a straw Ooh. so i mean it, it's big money it's not it's not something cheap to to get into that's for sure now is that is that a minimum? Is that from a 200, uh, 200 inch deer for fifteen? Grand oh yeah, I mean it, everything like that's going to be you know the deer that are creeping up into that three hundred inch range. Um, and I mean, when it, I, this is a very small snippet of that industry that I was in, so I don't know really how much I can speak for it. But you know, the the two hundred inch typical benchmark is is one that kind of stands and and there was some money getting thrown around trying to achieve that and obviously just how many inches can we possibly pack on the top of this deer's head so how how do you go about uh bulking up the body for these because i my cousin he he's been to a lot of these places down in south texas and he says some of these deer are getting so big their necks are snapping just they don't have the frame to carry it around (laughs) yeah you'll see it's kind of funny in the in the summertime they'll they'll have so much you know tissue on top of their head that in, in the summers when they're developing those antlers. So it's got blood flow and all that going through it. So, I mean, it's heavy and they'll, if they've got a big drop tine or something, you know, off that main beam, they'll, they'll kickstand that sucker be laying down and, and have their heads propped up. But I mean, they, they pump that, that nutrition to them year round. I mean, so it's something that, that they definitely take seriously. 
fascinating stuff. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's it's a whole nother world, man. It really is. Um, I got to get out and shoot a doe this year. I got to do it. Dude, just do it, man. Texas lets you do pretty much whatever you want down there. It's the Wild West. Yeah, I know, but it's just then you got to gut the <laughs> son of a bitch, and it's just a whole, it's, it's it's a whole process. It's the whole mindset of of now the work has begun. Uh, I don't understand what your problem is. Every time I've killed one, I've had one of the guys clean it for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that big a deal. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say it sounds like it sounds like Bo's a prime candidate for for some deer cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> he, he'd do it in a heartbeat. He's got a good attitude. Ed'd clean it. Yeah, I know, but. There you go. Good job. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go full bore and you know, especially like like if Reese if Reese and I go out and we harvest a doe, like it's gonna be a teachable moment and fucking dad's gotta get dirty and like show him all the work that goes into it. I mean it's gonna be yep. that kind of deal. I'm with you, Andy. Yeah, there's, no, there's nothing about shooting anything big that sounds fun. And an elk, the bigger it gets, the least the least desire I have to do it. Like an elk Cleaning that son of a bitch has got to just be a full day's work, or a moose, or a moose. Yeah. Oh shoot, man! And you don't I shoot a moose. Imagine. You don't shoot a moose where you can drive in a car and throw it in the back easily. No, that's where we're spoiled. Is yeah, you just go go tip a doe out over in the wheat field and drive up to it and throw it in the back of the truck. Hundred percent. Well, I, I tell you what, I'd like to do. <laughs> I, I'd like to do is this winter. I'm giving you open invitation when you're down at Fort Cobb hunting. Fort Cobb, Oklahoma, people. That's the place to go shoot green <laughs> That's the place to Caddo, go. Caddo County. Yep. You can come over and spend a day and hunt with us and hang out one day. Heck yeah, man. You know I'm uh, I'm always down to come uh, come kill some little geese. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Well, we can do that. And I, I can show you some Bigfoot or something maybe. We can get on Bigfoot while you're around. <laughs> if you do it, I'll be surprised. But, man, I'd, I'd love to come down if you, uh, if you have me. I can show you some elk. I can promise you that. There you go. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, this is a realm that uh, hopefully we didn't sound too stupid in, but it was a pleasure no, talking no. to you. Absolutely, guys. I appreciate it, and uh, keep up the good work. I know uh, I've been listening for a while, so you guys are doing a great job for our sport. Keep it up. Hey, I'm, by the way, I'm going to start taking a shitload of, uh, of belly down pictures just Don't for you. Do it. Don't do it. <laughs> you know, I was... Oh, uh, I, had, I had to get one little poke in there, and I might take one just to, to, to <laughs> add you on, on Instagram, but fix it. Go I, ahead. I was on one of the other pages there today. Someone with waterfowl forms, hardcore something, and somebody had a picture belly down and said, you better not let the big honker boys see that they'll get all over your ass i, uh, I can't i can't remember where it was at but it had nothing to do with us we when when it came time to take the the picture at the end of the hunt this weekend one of the guys like god damn don't put don't put him belly down or he will jump your ass <laughs> oh i just had to get one uh one little poke in there but hey you guys have a good evening and uh we'll talk to you soon hey thank all you very right. much we appreciate it great 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 conversation see you guys uh -huh. see you dallas Bye. belly up everybody knows the rules that's a very good, very good podcast. Really enjoyed visiting him. Talked about stuff we don't know about. Hit my fucking microphone. Don't know much about deer hunting. Deer no. So hopefully, uh, some of the questions I had didn't sound too retarded. But uh, well, I know absolutely. I'm telling you, um, I know nothing about deer hunting. Nothing. We, we figured that I know out when you were talking about the Dayton part. I know a slick head versus a, a buck, and that's about as far as my knowledge goes. As far as when the, the, the doe kicks the fawn off or the fawn goes off and gets tired of watching its mom get fucked, I know nothing about. So, You know what's really interesting about that whole thing? Or not interesting. You've killed a 140-inch deer, and most people haven't. It's a 140-inch deer. It was hitting the fucking feet. It was absolutely... 
there was That's absolutely right. no skill involved in me shooting that deer. That's right. Not a bit. But so many people in so many places. Now, 140-inch deer in the Midwest is not that deer. There's big hunt. But there's some guys on the Northeast who are like, son of a bitch. They've never shot, shot, seen one. Yeah. So, I got a bad taste in my mouth of deer hunting when I shot a little fucking deer when I was 12 years old and I got ridiculed for it. And that's who? when I, my passion for deer hunting waned. Who ridiculed you? Everybody. Who? Everybody ridiculed me for shooting a fucking little deer. The scrub buck you shot? Everybody. <laughs> and what's bad is I got ridiculed about the first deer that I shot, and your brother told me to shoot it. Well, that, he's not a genius. Comes around, and fucking Andy shot a scrub buck, and I'm like, you know, fuck this shit. I'm, not, I'm never deer hunting again. <laughs> and so far, so, so far, I, I've done a pretty good job of keeping that promise. We've had a lot of good deer, deer land over the years, and it's just not something that's in my blood to shoot a deer. I don't care. I see them all the time. Maybe that's why I missed it, because you didn't, you, you know. I don't enjoy nothing about deer hunting. I mean, I wouldn't mind shooting a 170-inch deer. Who wouldn't? But I'm not going to go hunt for one. It's lost on me. That yeah. whole... I, I, I appreciate them. They're beautiful animals. I think the dominance hierarchy and how they set all that stuff up, I think that's fascinating. Um, beautiful animal to watch, but um, waterfowl is where it's at for me. So, uh, appreciate everybody listening. Be sure to... Uh, not tune in, but be sure to get entered into uh, the boss giveaway. We're drawing for that in just... Uh, about 10 days now so uh the the your opportunity is uh about to pass so and get entered into that uh the week of november 18th through 21 i can do a group i'm sold out of everything until then so on the previous podcast i had a weekend over and it's gone so it is gone as of this point so yep, so november 18 19 20 21 i can do a group of hunters uh if you got a group of five or six guys call me i'll make you a deal We appreciate everybody listening. Everybody uh, have a good one and safe hunting out there. Yep. Thank you and God bless you.